Rare Life Media. What does it mean to be completely healthy? Welcome to the podcast where you'll find encouraging stories to help us focus on all layers of our health, the mental, the physical, the emotional, the spiritual. I'm Monica Patton, and these are the parts of us. In today's episode, I talked with Craig Chandler, minister at Vaughn Park Church of Christ in Montgomery, Alabama. We discussed his thoughts on why he thinks people are leaving church, some ways we can encourage our kids during these challenging times, and how he thinks Jesus was like a youth minister. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Craig Chandler. So welcome to the podcast, Craig. How are you? I am I'm wonderful, and I'm very excited to be here. Me too. So I'm glad you're here. So tell us where you're at in this world this morning. Uh, I'm not sure how existential a question that is, so we'll just go with where I am physically, I suppose. Okay, uh, let's start with my that. My family and I, sure, my family and I, uh, we live... Uh, outside of Montgomery, Alabama, uh, my wife is your sister and is a school teacher at Wetumpka High School, not too far from Montgomery. And I am the associate and student and family life minister at the Vaughn Park Church of Christ in Montgomery. You didn't mention your kids. I didn't. <laughs> well, I didn't. You're right. My children, uh, Bailey, is seven, and she attends Redland Elementary School in Wetumpka. And my son, Jones, is three, and he attends uh, pre-kindergarten at the First Baptist Church in Wetumpka. And we're all just one big happy clan. Yes, you are. So I guess we've made that point that you are, we, we call each other... Sometimes brother-in-law, whatever we go by the names, I'll just say, hey, brother-in-law, and you say, hey, sister-in-law. But I'm going to call you Craig. We do. (laughs) Okay, that sounds fantastic. And I'll call you Monica. Okay, perfect. So let's talk about the spiritual realm, Craig, spiritual health. We're we're talking about forms of, of health and the importance of all those parts to our lives. So let's get into... Maybe talking about this past year, year and a half, and maybe some things that you have learned this past year in maybe through the church or just personally, how has it been like for you? It's very mixed. Uh, Personally, the past year and a half, if we're going to look at spiritual discipline, and focusing on spiritual growth and development in its truest form, specifically for our faith tradition, looking at our communion with God. For me and my family, the past year and a half has been a blessing. Uh, We've had an opportunity to, at times, remove a lot of the distractions simply because we were forced to with uh, inactivity and closures brought about by COVID. 
it almost inherently forced us to recalibrate and to refocus. So that has been a tremendous blessing. Uh, Personally, working at a church over the past year and a half, uh, that, without question, has been in some ways positive and in other ways negative. You may not, I don't think a lot of people realize this from a laity perspective, but regardless of where or even if you go to church, uh, the clergy during this time has had, uh, without question, an increased workload trying to make adjustments uh, very quickly, whether it's implementation of a live stream or online resources and creating more uh, and different ways of interaction, relationship, communication. That actually has been exciting for me. The difficulty that has come with COVID is seeing the ramifications that have taken place and specifically in the area that I work, seeing the spiritual deficits that are taking place with young people and families because of the breakdown of relationship, the effects of the pandemic. I mean, when you see families grieving together at the loss of a family member and you see people continually going through the long-term effects of COVID, it is absolutely heartbreaking and has become detrimental to many people's spiritual lives to the point before COVID, we were already seeing a decline in church attendance. And oddly enough, that isn't all negative, and we can get into that at some point, but what COVID has done has exacerbated it for many churches because of their unwillingness to, or inability, truthfully, to pivot and transition to more online and digital formats. So what we're seeing is people of all ages, regardless of older members, people that are married with kids that are also adults or families, we're seeing a steep decline, not only in attendance, but just overall spiritual growth and development. And that obviously is very concerning. But overall, it's just relative, and this is consistent with or without a pandemic. It's relative based upon how individuals and family units have handled stressors. Because each individual or family unit, they handle stressors differently. For us as followers of Christ, it has become 
more and more incumbent upon us to discipline ourselves spiritually in order not just to maintain, but to progress in our spiritual walk. And we are seeing that in some areas, but for some people, they have really just gone into survival mode. And that is completely understandable with jobs or lack thereof, with their social life, with their interaction with people. Many have gone to survival mode and it's difficult in that particular scenario to focus on adding more stress to your life by creating more discipline. The interesting thing is when you do create that discipline and spiritual centeredness, other things become less stressful. Yeah. But other things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sorry. Let's talk about that. So why is it the first thing that seems to go for some of us is this, the church, this, the spiritual side, when at the end of the day, like you said, that can make things smoother. But is it giving more pressure? Is the church giving more pressure on, is it just like, we're not doing it right, we're not doing it right, it's one more thing to do? You know, because, I mean, I'm going to the ball games. I'm going to, you know, stores and what have you. People are out, you know, so... Uh, why are just churches, and like you said, this is before COVID, this, this, this started happening, the decline started happening before COVID, but I think there's some degree of evaluation with people's, like you said, spiritual lives, maybe church lives, just like you're seeing a lot of people leave, leave jobs, leave marriages. There's a lot of discontentment, a lot of changes. Don't you, what do you think? So there's a deeper issue involved with uh, especially Western American Christianity. Uh, and I, I'm not going to go into uh, Christian nationalism per se, because that's its own little issue. I, I truly think that it's because how we approach church, and really it's even how churches are set up, it's a consumeristic approach to church. And, and I'll give you an example, and it's pretty simple. If you have two churches that are across the street from one another. One of them has a dynamic, engaging preacher. The other one does not have those characteristics. A church has an engaging, dynamic, and powerful worship. The other church, not so much. Which church is it most likely that most people are going to gravitate towards? It's the one where you have your dynamic minister, where you have your engaging minister, when you have this uplifting and powerful uh, communal worship experience, people aren't gravitating towards churches that are truly focused on discipleship and relationship. Now, there's a caveat there. In millennials and Gen Z, it appears, are actually leaving churches 
in the droves. And one of the reasons is, is they are not getting substantive relationship and discipleship. So uh, to a large extent, the issue is with churches, we've made them, and it's inherent to how churches are set up. And I mean how your building is set up. It's set up with a stage, with a pulpit, with your band up front, and then you have your crowd. And so it's in, it inherently lends itself to, I am coming to a performance. I am coming to church. Why are you doing that? And ultimately, at its basis, it is to have your senses uh, excited, visually, right. audibly. Well, and you, it's not about what the the church really is about, right? And what I'm hearing you say at, at the end of the day, church is about community, relationship, support, and that's what it should be about. And I think if you don't, I personally think if you don't have that, you're missing a big part of what church is meant to be. And I think right now of all the times we've always needed support. We've always needed community. We've always needed, you know, real relationships and people you can count on and with the amount of grief and just sadness and stressors, we need community and those connections now more than ever. So I think that just don't, do you agree with that? Without question. And, uh, you know, to continue that somewhat, uh, more and more people, if if you approach church as a consumer, you are finding that what you are consuming is lacking because the church cannot compete uh, with the world in regards to fulfilling the desires of our senses. What the church can do, as you wonderfully stated, the church can provide and must provide community, relationship, the ability to be with you in times of need, in times of victory. And ultimately, it's not just about community with one another. It is truly about communion with God. And in so many ways, our churches have forgotten that. Well, what about the, because you're, you are a youth minister, youth pastor, an adult, young adult. What, yes. what was exactly, uh, yeah, well, what was your, your description there? Uh, mainly working with uh, teenagers, but also with pretty extensively with parents of teenagers. Right. And, and, and how churches function is, much like any other workspace in that your clergy generally fulfill needs wherever they are, regardless if it's in their job description or not. Right. Right. So you can do it all. You can yeah, do it all. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's not that I can. You do well, it all. <laughs> it's that, yeah. Well, I mean, we're forced into that often. It's become, yeah, many clergymen and women are just spread incredibly thin during this time. And so we're seeing 
not just people leave church. We're seeing you know, ministers leaving the ministry in droves, and to a large extent, it's it's they're tired and tired of what? Uh, it's so many different things, but well, that's that's what I feel like. Minist- ministers, people in the ministry, Lord, I mean, healthcare workers, we know have just got the hardest hit right now and have had, and that continues to just be completely maxed out and exhausted. And our educators, I think those three populations have, I know we've all been hit hard in one way or another, but those three have really had to make more changes and had to continue where a lot of other jobs, a lot of other things and activities have ceased or had a break. Those have have had to been amped up and changed and learned to just what's the word? Just you know, make it work and be creative during these uh-huh. times. And um, but for ministers, there's a lot of judgment that comes with that. So you know, as a minister, <laughs> <laughs> what would you say to our listeners as far as like where is grace and understanding in the midst of this and how can we love on our pastors and our ministers and our clergymen or, you know, just those people that do all the things in our church, what advice or what, what would you say? How could we encourage them? Well, it's interesting at the beginning of the pandemic, our healthcare workers and teachers were lauded as heroes. Uh, but now it appears they, in many instances, are being treated as villains. Uh, when you see, in just the span of a year, people encouraging our doctors and nurses, and now people picketing outside of hospitals and people being continually and overly critical of our teachers. When we look at our pastors and our ministers and our church leaders, the biggest thing that we can do to help them is give an immense amount of grace, to give not just people a break from the stress and a a break from the worry, but also give as much encouragement as possible. And that is something that we have totally forgotten in our culture. And it's not just giving that actively to clergy. It is, we don't do that as a society anymore. We don't encourage people. We don't lift people up. We don't, we're not nice to people. (laughs) It's like, what are they doing wrong? Not what are they doing right? Exactly. Yeah. And, and it, it, it goes to, if my consumeristic needs aren't being met, then it's someone else's fault. It's not. People have a, a lack of self-awareness and a they don't want to take responsibility for what they think, how they act. And, and one of the unspoken things that about church anyway, that we are so hesitant to utter uh, outside of closed doors is, yeah, people are going to 
ball games. People are going to places where there are multiple people that are unvaccinated and unmasked. But on Sunday morning, we're still very hesitant for whatever reason to come. And I know absolutely for many people, it is, and this is going to sound harsh, but it is laziness. Mm -hmm. But what ends up happening is we lose our soul. We lose our spiritual centeredness. And we wonder why anxiety, depression are just skyrocketing. And it's because we are so focused on making ourselves happy when in reality, the key to happiness is helping others, submitting ourselves to one another as Paul, as Peter and Jesus eloquently say in scripture, it is about other people and your fulfillment comes when you realize your place and you truthfully and openly help people. You love people, you feed people, you give water to people, you clothe people. And in regards to, you know, pastor care, just encourage and be selfless, not selfish. Yeah. And that helps tremendously. Well, that's just our natural instinct, isn't it? <laughs> just so it's just well, going it's, against it's that. Our, yeah. It's our natural fallen instinct. Mm-hmm. So, okay, talking about, you, you you mentioned how we can encourage, and we talked about encouraging our our church members and our the people that work in our church. What about specifically our kids and our teens right now? How would you, what have you seen, maybe mention something that you've seen as being a struggle from the lockdown, from the COVID year? How can we encourage, what would you one thing that you would recommend a parent, a grandparent, someone that has a young one in their life, what do our kids need right now, spiritually speaking, that we can do that is not just how can we be encouraging for them during this time? So this particular time is it's similar to how it was pre-pandemic, only more so. So what I mean by that is so many of the issues that teenagers were facing before the pandemic, they're the same, but they've only been amplified, if that makes sense. Yes. So when you see uh, a continual rise in depression, anxiety, and narcissism, and and truthfully, it isn't just teenagers, although it absolutely is there. It's with all people. And I, you know, I look to, and I've said this before, you've heard me say it. When we look at Matthew 17 and, uh, people come approach, uh, Jesus and Peter in paying the temple tax. And Jesus says, we're going to do this because we don't want to offend anyone. So, you pay the temple tax for me and you. What he's saying is, is that the only ones in his, with, within this group of he and his 12 disciples, the only ones that are over 20 are he and Peter. So what Jesus is, 
he is a youth minister. His disciples are all teenagers, except for Peter, who is his intern, as it were. So when we we think of Jesus in a manner of being a youth minister, what that does is it puts a greater emphasis and priority on the importance of teenagers. And so what I mean by that, from a practical perspective, so often teenagers are dismissed. And this is something that has always taken place. We are always critical of teenagers. And it doesn't matter what portion of history we're going to look at. I think it was Socrates that said, this generation is to the dogs. This Multiple millennia ago, people were critical of younger people. And when people talk about, you know, kids these days, and we've always <laughs> heard that, oh, kids these days, they're just worse than they were. I've never no, said they're that. Not. I've never said they're that. Just, <laughs> yeah, I know I never have. <laughs> but uh, they're not worse than they used to be. We just have, we look back at our teenage years with rose colored glasses. And when we actually sit down and remember how we were as teenagers, we're exactly the same. Right. And what teenagers need, they need structure. They need accountability, which runs contrary a little bit to what we might be thinking. We may be thinking they need more time off and it just depends on what time off from what Uh, teenagers and people work best in structure teenagers and all people work best when they have a routine the things that are detrimental to any person's uh, development social social spiritual mental well-being is when structure breaks down And you'd be so, I don't know if you'd be surprised to know this, but the demographic that most dislikes change are young people. Interesting. They don't, they do not, they don't function well in change. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. What uh, kids that you've interacted with, if they have a loving home with a mom and dad, with two parents, and Things are pretty buttoned up to the best of their ability. Did those kids, are they more well-adjusted and function better than a child in where there's abuse in the home, there is divorce in the home, there's anarchy in the home? Which child functions best? And it's the child that has the structure. And what we are seeing, especially in this digital age, that when we, as parents, give in to our children's desires to have more freedom, it's in that particular scenario that we see greater numbers in depression, anxiety, and and narcissism. Because what they do when they go to their apps on their phone, they go to social media and then they compare. And not all comparison is bad, but generally, especially young girls, they compare themselves to a standard that is unattainable 
And so they become more and more depressed and anxious. Why can't I look like this? Why can't I be like this? What they're presented is something that isn't real. And all that stems from is parents not providing a structured situation at home. Yeah, I think structure with so, to a large extent. Yeah, I I think they, I think we got we all have to have that adults and children, don't you? Oh, without question, and that's to a large extent what we're seeing with adults when we uh, are not disciplined spiritually, our other needs, physical and emotional uh, discipline, and our needs there they become lacking as well because uh, it all it's all a holistic approach uh, and I, i'll give an example i don't know if you or anyone has done any mission work overseas but the limited time that i have when you see uh, a truly impoverished and hungry child do you immediately approach that child with the gospel or do you give that child food? Well, you give the child food because he's not having a need met, and you cannot possibly reach uh, the person spiritually if their physical needs aren't met. Conversely, in our particular situation, we have plenty physically. We live in a land of plenty, but our emotional well-being is completely shattered, and it's because of a breakdown of our communities specifically uh, our churches and a breakdown within the church's uh, desire simply to put rear ends in the seat and not actually disciple and help people. And so one of the things that really, really can benefit our situation is for us as a church to focus and stress the need for spiritual uh, discipline and, and, I, and I mean, studying scripture, time in prayer, time in meditation, time in fasting, uh, time in celebration of all that we have, and then our emotional well-being becomes, uh, shockingly, our emotional well-being starts to improve dramatically. But in regards to how we can help teenagers, it's obviously encouragement, not criticizing at every turn, but also providing structure and discipline. Structure, accountability, routine, serving others, whether that's in your home, in your church, in your community. I feel like that's good advice for our kids, our teenagers, as adults. I feel like that that's what we all should be focusing on. And it's hard. Uh, without question. Yeah, and it's hard. It's, 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 once again, you know, when you're talking about spiritual discipline, it's, you hear, oh, discipline. I don't like the sound of that, but it takes discipline and it's, it's, it's learning how to take care of ourselves. And I think that goes back to, I was talking with someone the other day about just self care and, you know, us learning how to do that for ourselves and what that means and those things that help us spiritually, mentally, physically. And teach that to our children and those those around us. Craig, what about when you are stressed? Because 
you know, we, you've got reasons to be stressed out. You're a dad, you're a husband, you're oh, a sure. minister, just like we all do. We've all got those things. So what scripture, what, what's a go-to activity, anything that gives you hope, helps you during times of stress and worry? Uh, go-to scripture of mine, uh, many of the Psalms are key, this is just for me, um, are key to my maintenance from a spiritual perspective, specifically uh, Psalm 31, 24, and I'll quote it from the old King James because that's how I memorized it. Uh, Be of good courage and he will strengthen your heart, all you that hope in the Lord that even in the midst of struggle, stress, if we put our faith, our courage, and our patience in God, He will strengthen us. And and it's something you said in regards to self-care. What's beautiful about our faith tradition is that we believe that it's not necessarily about self-care, it's about soul care. And if that soul is being cared for by God's Holy Spirit who created the universe and he is inside us and he is encouraging us. He's challenging us. He's motivating us. He's disciplining us. And to a large degree, we just have a a bad understanding of discipline. And we go to Proverbs and we say, we say, see, it says spare the rod and spoil the child. Well, it's not talking about beating your kid with a rod. It's talking about use the shepherd's staff to guide the sheep. And that's discipline. It's to take them off the wrong path and put them in a place where they will find food. That's discipline. And it's God's Holy Spirit that is caring for us. And that's such a beautiful thought to know that our health and well-being is not contingent upon us doing enough. It is God working within us, motivating us to do more. And that's where I get strength, knowing that it's not about how good I am. It's about how good God is. Romans 3, 23, it tells us that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we can look at that as a huge negative, but I look at it as a massive positive. We're all a bunch of screw-ups. And it's because of God's grace that we have salvation. That is beautiful. It's not about you being good enough. It is about truly God being good enough, proven in the Christ. So this is where I get my encouragement and strength. Also, um, I, I think it's pretty similar in regards to activities that that help uh, me through times of difficulty, um, community, and whether that's family, uh, whether that's wife and children, that's definitely spending time with them helps remove a lot of stress for me. And I'm not just saying that because my wife is your sister, but <laughs> it, it centers around also having a solid friend group that you spend time with. And it can you spend time with them in many different ways, through text, through phone calls, but doing activities with them, whether it's, for me, I do enjoy playing golf. I know a lot of people do fishing, hunting trips, especially here in the South. But, uh, you know, our, our friend group does fantasy football. And we get into it, but it's really an excuse to spend time together, which is critical for all of our emotional well-being. I think we need fun more than ever. 
I've I've oh, my I've boy. heard a lot of people say that. Like it's it's just like you said, some friend time, family time, quality time with others. So it's important to just remember this. That goes back to once again community and in a healthy community, yeah, we need that. Well, we're going to wrap it up with that, Craig. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. This has been this has been fun and enlightening. Thank you so much, and I enjoyed it so very much. Have a great day. Thanks, Craig. You too. This has been a production of Rare Life Media. This podcast represents the views and opinions of Monica Patton and her guests. Its content is presented for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only, and should not be taken as medical, psychological, or legal advice. Please contact a professional for specific questions. This content does not represent any place of work. While we make every effort to ensure that the information shared is accurate, comments, suggestions, or correction of errors are welcome.